God be merciful unto us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us that thy way may be known upon earth, thy saving health among all nations. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. O let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for thou shalt judge the people righteously and govern the nations upon earth. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people praise thee. Then shall the earth yield her increase, and God, even our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us, and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. This is the word of the Lord. I just want to begin by acknowledging that today is Mother's Day, so happy Mother's Day to all you who are mothers. And I picked Psalm 67 for the, the passage this morning, which has absolutely nothing to do with mothers. It is a psalm that is for mothers and fathers and men and women who have never had children and little kids and old people. It's, it's for all of us. So with that, let's go to the, word, the Lord in prayer and ask him to bless the word this morning. Father, you are gracious. We pray that you would deal with us graciously this morning. We pray that you would send your spirit to stir in us a passion for your name and your renown that your spirit would teach us ways that we might Use the blessings you give us to advance your kingdom and bring people to worship you. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Uh, have you ever gone somewhere and f- you get there and you forget why you went there? Uh, so it happens to me daily. I get up out of my office chair, walk out of my office, turn right, walk 20 feet down to Lynn's office, get there, and I cannot remember why I went into Lynn's office. And I sit there, and I try to think for a minute, and you got to know Lynn. She is the most gracious, patient person. She stops what she's doing. She looks at me. She often offers some prompts to try and help me remember. (laughs) And she's just so kind about it. She doesn't know I can read her mind. What she's thinking is, you interrupted me for no good reason, apparently. And our staff, our pastors, are a bunch of blithering idiots. Can't remember. But she never says it. It happens all the time. Maybe it happens to you. You go to the mall. You go there to get a pair of jeans, but you get distracted by the cinnamon pretzels. You go to Kroger, and you're walking down the aisles, and you can't remember why you're there, so you pull out your list, and your list reminds you. Psalm 67 serves that purpose for Israel and for us. It it reminds them and us, while you're in the land and you're enjoying God's blessings, don't forget why you're there, why you're there. Don't forget why you exist. Don't forget why God is blessing you. See, God's gracious blessings, from the ordinary to the profound, are meant to lead you and others to worship God. 
Now, Bob said that he does not do well with poetry. Bob, you picked the series on the Psalms. It's all poetry. I don't do well with poetry either. Never been good in English classes and dissecting poems. Even so, the structure of this psalm is so evident, I even picked up on it. See, it's not just the words of this psalm, but the very structure of this psalm that is meant to highlight God's design for the nations and how he blesses so that the nations will worship. Uh, Part of what you see in this psalm is that it it serves, I know that's fonts hard to read, my fault, Uh, is that the first few verses and the last few verses serve as an envelope that contain the message. The first two verses and the second last two verses repeat the same words. May God be gracious to you and bless you. And then at the end, the back of the envelope, may God bless us still. And in the middle is that message. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. Another way of seeing the structure of this psalm is what's called a chiasm or the chiastic structure of the psalm. It moves forward, carrying the same themes, and it centers on that main theme, may the nations be glad. Kind of as a a ladder in and then a ladder out of that main theme. Okay, so that's the poetry lesson of Psalm 67. All meant to highlight that God's design is for the nations to worship, and he blesses so that so that the nations will come to know him. Now, Psalm 67 is poetry, but Psalm 67 is also a prayer. A prayer that I think shakes us. Shakes us from our sense of entitlement, and we all have it. It's not just a millennial thing. It it shakes us from our self-centeredness, and it shakes us from our disenchantment. So this psalm, start with the the psalm as a prayer that shakes us from our sense of entitlement. It does so by reminding us that God's blessings are ours by grace and grace alone. There is at times an overly pious approach to prayer that that says, I'll pray for the nations, I'll pray for the missionaries, I'll pray for other people, but is reluctant to ask blessings for yourself. Uh, Psalm 67 says, no, it's right and good and proper to pray that God would bless you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. It's good to pray for God's blessings. But we do so always in reliance on grace. May God be gracious to you and bless you. In other words, may God be better towards us than we deserve. That's what grace is. There are are no demands that we can place on God's grace. 
So any prayer that begins from a place of demand or of, frankly, merit is wrong from the get-go. Anytime we're praying, God, I've given so much, so now please do this. Or, Or I've lived for you for 40 years, please bless. That's rooting your request in merit instead of grace. And we never come to God and our own merit. Our requests are rooted in his goodness, not our own. God, be gracious to us and bless us. When God blesses, it's always out of grace, not merit. So Hebrews 4.16 tells us to come boldly before the throne of grace. God is ready to be gracious, but we do not come making demands. This passage gets specific and how we want God to bless us. Lord, make your face shine upon us. The psalmist here is picking up from the priestly blessing of Aaron back in Numbers 64. May the Lord be gracious to you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, give you rest. He's picking that blessing up and teaching us how to pray it. The Psalms are are filled with use of this ironic blessing. Psalms 80 uses it three times. Lord, restore us. Make your face shine upon us that we may be saved. What does it mean to ask God to make his face shine upon us? Uh, Let me tell you, give you examples of what it doesn't mean. A couple years ago, my son had a, a coach who, if the team was losing or play, playing poorly, would turn his back on the team and lean up against the wall and hide his face in shame. I was furious. <laughs> no, turn your face towards us. Make your face shine upon us. I was thinking about this. It's the opposite of the Mike Woodson glare. You've seen this, right? When a player comes off the floor and he's angry with them, that glare can peel paint. It is intense. Here in the psalm, we're we're praying, bless us, make your face shine upon us. Turn your face towards us and help us to feel the warmth of your love towards us. Help us to feel that we are your children in whom you delight. Lord, make your face shine upon us. It's a good prayer. Bless us with your favor, with your love, with your tenderness. But often that is where our praying ends. Bless us and we will be blessed. But the psalm here puts Aaron's prayer for blessing within the context of God's covenant with Abraham. God's covenant with Abraham that was for the entire world and all nations. 
On one end of the spectrum, there's at times or those among us who might feel reluctant to pray for themselves and ask for blessing. On the other end of the spectrum, there are those who only pray for themselves and hoard God's blessing. And this psalm shakes those prayers as well. It shakes us out of our tenacious self-centeredness. Tenacious self-centeredness. I read a statistic this week that at first I was like, wow, that's a lot. Then I reread it and I'm like, holy cow. 93 million selfies are uploaded. And I thought, per year, that's a lot. Per day, 93 million selfies per day. I absolved you millennials a little bit ago about being entitled, but y'all, you'll take 25,000 selfies in your lifetime. We are a very self-centered people. If it doesn't show up in selfies, it shows up in how we use our resources and how we pray. And this prayer shakes us out of our self-centeredness and says, God, bless us so that the nations might come to know you. God, bless us so that others will come to know through us how good, how great, how gracious and loving you are and come and worship you alongside us. God intends the blessings that he pours out on his people to become a blessing for all peoples. The context of the covenant with Abraham, Genesis 12 and other chapters of Genesis, is essential to understanding Aaron's request, his blessing. God had promised Abraham, I am going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. Out of you will come a great nation. And through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So when Aaron is praying this prayer, bless us, it's in that context. You're going to bless us so that we can be a blessing. In Exodus chapter 19, God says to his people, you are my treasured possession. The apple of my eye. I've made you a holy nation and a kingdom of priests. A a kingdom who will share the blessings with the world. The Apostle Peter picks up on that in 1 Peter 2 and applies it to us. God has made us to be a holy nation, to be a kingdom of priests, Not so that we will hoard blessings of God, but so that we will bless others with them. And Psalm 67 is fairly specific about the kind of blessing that we share. Uh, God, bless us, make your face shine upon us, so that the nations will know your salvation. I love the languages of the Bible. The word salvation 
is the word Yeshua in Hebrew, from where we get the name Joshua. And the Greek translation of Joshua is Jesus. Lord, make your salvation, your Yeshua known, your Jesus known. Bless us so that we can tell the nations about your salvation, the salvation that comes through Jesus. The intention of God is to bless all the nations, even the nations that you might consider as an Israelite or an American your enemy. That is a message Jonah did not grasp. God, the blessing is for us, not the Ninevites. Now the people of God are blessed so that they can be a blessing to all the peoples. The purpose of God is that all peoples, all nations would come to know him, come to know his salvation and praise him and worship him. So do you know the Baisa people? They're from the African nations of Togo and Ghana. Or the Quilombolos of Brazil. Or the Bual people of Indonesia. Probably not. I picked three fairly obscure people groups. We don't know them. But God does. And he's had a design for those peoples and all peoples from the beginning that they would worship him. God will be praised by all nations because all nations will come to know his reign, his rule, and they'll give him praise as he guides them. Last week, Bob preached from Psalm 19 and reminded us that God's law is good and perfect. Psalm 67, I think, comes alongside that one and says, yes, God's law is good and perfect, not just for you, but for all the nations. The nations sing for joy and are glad because God rules them and guides them with his law. So this is a prayer that shakes us from our self-centeredness because the blessings that God has given are not for us alone, but be, to be turned into worship. The third thing, this prayer shakes us from our disenchantment. We live in a very mechanical, industrial, disenchanted kind of world. In Tolkien's words, uh, we live in the age of fire and steel. We're, we're removed from land and agriculture, most of us. We go to the store to get our meat and our corn. We think we get it from the store. The psalm reminds us we get it from God. God has given the harvest the corn, the soybean, the wheat. He gives the harvest. It ought to be turned back into praise to him so that all the nations will worship.
See, even the ordinary blessings of God, the psalmist envisions as excuse, as reason to worship, and not just in private, but to proclaim God's goodness publicly. Now, probably there's a bunch of us in the room who are thinking, well, I don't, I'm not really that blessed. Well, thankfully, I don't see many naked people out there today. We have clothing and probably more in our closet. We've got food enough and probably more in our pantry. We've got roofs over our heads. All blessings that ought to cause gratitude and worship. And not just, again, in private but cause us to proclaim God's goodness, to proclaim his praise. God is the source of all benefits. His grace is the basis of his blessing, an undeserved expression of his love for his children. And so we say, thank you, God, in front of the world. Okay, I'm done dissecting this poem, this prayer. But now what? If this prayer shakes us as we pray it, now what? Let me get specific and ask some questions of you. Uh, First application. What blessings are you asking for right now? In your prayers last night, in your prayers throughout this week. What blessings are you asking for right now? And how will you use them to make God known? Students just came through finals week. Were you praying for good grades? How will you use that education you're getting to make God known? Maybe you've been praying for a scholarship, or a fellowship, or doors opening, how will you use those to proclaim God's goodness to others? Maybe you've been praying for a different job or a raise. How will you use those blessings you're asking for to be a blessing to others and invite them into the kingdom? Maybe it's marriage. Maybe that's what you're hoping and praying for? How will you ensure that God's name is honored in your marriage? Maybe it's retirement. How will you use that? Better question? Not not what am I asking for already and how can I use it? But what things can I ask for specifically so that God will use me to bless others? Don't think just of material things. Spiritual things. Like the psalmist asked for. Make your face shine upon us. And I'll turn that, we'll turn that into blessing the nations. What spiritual things are you praying for? And how can those be used? Maybe it's revival. 
I know a lot pray for revival consistently, and it is good to to pray. Bless us with a sweet and powerful outpouring of your Holy Spirit. Yes. But not just so we'll feel warm fuzzies or bask in intimacy with God or sing more songs. And definitely not just so that our nation becomes a more comfortable place for Christians to live. But so that your name might be known. So that when you give revival, people will look at us and ask, what is going on? And we can point people to the salvation of God in Jesus. Second application. First one was, how will you use the blessings you're, pray, you're praying for? Second one, how will you handle it when the blessings that you're asking for take a form you weren't asking for? How will you handle it when, when the blessings you're asking for, when the way God blesses isn't the way you want him to bless? Uh, this past week in our uh, staff meeting, Mindy Flick brought the devotional, and uh, it was great. She read from a book by uh, Tish Harrison Warren, I think it's called Prayers in the Night. She said at one point she had a friend ask her, is Jesus enough? If things don't work out, if God seems distant, if my life plans crumble, was Jesus still enough? Or was I instead seeking Jesus and success? Jesus and happiness? Jesus and fruitful ministry. Time and time again in my life, when I face bitter disappointment, when I'm terrified of what's around the bend, when I fail, when I'm hurt by someone I trusted, when God isn't doing what I want him to do, I've had to return to that question again. Is Jesus enough? Jesus promises nothing more or less than himself. He will yoke himself to us and never leave our side. He won't take away the weight we bear, but he will bear it with us. God owes us nothing, any happiness, success, or desire fulfilled is a gift to be received gratefully. It is gravy. God promises us simply himself. So when you pray for a blessing of health and you're given the blessing of sickness or you pray for the blessing of a healthy bank account and you're given need or you pray for the blessing of a healthy, strong marriage and it's broken, how will you use those bitter disappointments in life to point people to God? It's by saying, Jesus is enough. It was never Jesus and happiness. It's always been Jesus. He's enough. 
Third application. We don't, in this church, we have the, the beautiful, unique privilege of the nations coming to us. One of the things that initially attracted me to this church, when I was looking y'all up on the internet 18 years ago, deciding whether or not I was going to send a resume, was that the nations come to this place. God, in a way, has made our job easier. Our job is to be blessed so that we bless the nations. And God has said to us in this room, okay, I'm going to bring the nations to you. I've had the privilege in this church of worshiping alongside people from Iran, India, Singapore, China, Kenya, Russia, Scotland, Uruguay, Bolivia, Venezuela, Korea, Australia, and more. And more. My favorite book of the Bible is Revelation. Not because it's so weird, it is. I get it but for the vision it gives of the nations gathered around the throne worshiping. Every tribe, every peoples. We get tastes of that here and now, and I love it. What a blessing. Even in this room this morning, so many nations represented. Even have a friend from exotic Canada here today. Pretty cool, eh? (laughs) What blessings do you have in your life right now that you can use to make the nations known, make known to the nations that are in Bloomington Christ's goodness? You got some extra food? Host a family. Say blessing over that food and give thanks to God and share it. Got some extra furniture? I know people who can do something with that for the nations. Got some time? Spend it and befriend someone who's lonely. Use the blessings that you have to spread God's name among the nations that are right here in Bloomington. So, when Bob said this is the series, is what we're doing, pick a psalm. There's 150 of them. I love so many. It's daunting. But as I was working through the psalms and doing my daily devotions... Uh, I've been using this prayer book, Be Thou My Vision. It's incredible. I'll let you see it if you want it afterwards. But one morning it was Psalm 67, and that's why I picked Psalm 67. It spoke to me. And then there was this prayer that followed. I'll close with that prayer. Would you pray with me? Father, help us to be joyful in you. All the lands be joyful in the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness and help us to come into your presence with a song. 
Father, help us to be sure that you are good. It is you who made us. We are not ourselves. We are your people, the sheep of your pasture. Help us to go our way with thanksgiving and come into your courts with praise. Help us to be thankful, to speak good of your name, for you are gracious, your mercy is everlasting, and your truth endures from generation to generation. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen.